0: How's everybody doing tonight? Y'all good? Well, we got some uh, books in. I know several of you would ask, when we get some more books? we got them on the back table. And uh, like we've been doing when we get started with our class, I kind of touch again on the uh, resources that we've got available. We've got plenty of them in the back now. And I encourage you, uh, even if you, you know, the things about the, these classes that have helped me, I'll just give a testimony for me. I'm not addicted to drugs or alcohol, but uh, what has helped me in the areas of is strengthening my faith and, and, and understanding of who I am in Christ and what he's done. is a finished work, and it helps. I mean, it's basically Christianity comes down to what we've been talking about, and Pastor done such an awesome job teaching us about grace. It's not a subject. It's a person, and his name is Jesus, and, uh, and what this does is just focuses more toward addiction, but, you know, it's not just Necessarily, that we have to be addicted, but you know, one quote we read last week says that uh, I believe it was Dr. Anderson, he said that uh, about 95% of Christians are not living truly free. And he said that doesn't mean that they're addicted to drugs or alcohol, it just means simply there's some type of bondage in their life, or there's some type of whether it be depression or anxiety, uh, whatever the case may be, but they're not truly living in the freedom that Christ has provided. And really, the way we do that is coming to the end of ourselves. Totally dependent upon him, on every for everything, all of our strength, and uh, and looking to him for everything, and not allowing anything to be a substitute for our life, and it only comes through him. So, again, the, this is Mike's wife's testimony. That's in the back. Uh, some of them are going to be white instead of green in the back because we made some copies. His testimony is in the back. We got several copies of that. We also got more copies of this. The Christian are the key to victorious Christian life. We have got. About 10 copies of that in the back. And then also, of course, your books that we're doing the lesson on. We've got 10 more copies. And then also there's what I'm excited about. I meant to bring a copy up here, but you can look at it in the back. It's called One Day at a Time. And it's a devotion that takes what we've been studying and this book and it breaks it down into uh, 365 daily readings. And uh, it's just an awesome book. I've already had several testimonies of people calling me and telling me, hey, you, this, this book's really ministered to me. It, it's right exactly what I need today. And it's it's an it's a awesome book because it's full of the scripture and full of who we are in Christ, full of the grace of God, and it's awesome. I've been reading it myself, and I encourage you to do the same. And if we don't have enough copies, uh, as I've mentioned every Wednesday that we've had a lesson, the website's on the material there, and you can go to his website and order it. And he's just uh, excited to get the good news of the gospel into your hands. Amen. Well, let's pray. And uh, we're going to begin with just a little bit of uh, review. And I'm going to kind of move quickly tonight, as Pastor mentioned, uh, I'm going to be on a mission trip beginning next Wednesday. I'm actually leaving about 6 a.m. from Montgomery on a flight to Dallas and then from Dallas to Qatar and from Qatar to Bangladesh. It's about a 14 hour flight from Dallas to Qatar. And uh, I tell you, I'm excited. We're going to be ministering in the schools, uh, morning sessions in the schools, doing drama presentation, preaching the gospel, praying for the sick, casting out devils, whatever. (laughs) Whatever's there to do, I tell you, we're we're going to take the gospel to a lost and a dying world. And uh, it's about 0.9% Christianity. Uh, So there's plenty of people that need the gospel there. And uh, so we... Uh, desire your prayers and your faith to connect with us And pray over the team There's about 42 people in the team uh, We know we have the favor of God Going with us uh, But there's uh, We're taking the gospel into a place That the gospel's not there So that's a good thing To take take the light there So we'll be doing uh, schools in the morning Street minister, ministry during the day And then large festivals in the towns uh, In the evenings And that'll be about a six day ministry time of ministry then you got travel time there travel time back so uh i know you're having a fellowship next wednesday night and uh then the next wednesday is thanksgiving is that correct it's not there's something that's got no i'm gonna be gone that's what it is i won't be here so we're not having a class you'll have regular service then the next week i believe is thanksgiving so we won't have a class that night either but then we'll pick up the week after that amen let's pray Father God, we thank you tonight for your word, for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and what he accomplished on the cross. We thank you, Lord, that he made us sons and daughters, that he became what we were so that we could become what he is. And that's righteous, holy, and acceptable, blameless, that we could become sons and daughters, and we could come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain obtain mercy and help in a time of need. And Father, tonight we thank you for illumination and revelation to flow, Father, to to help us see who we are in you, what's already been done, what's already been accomplished, that we are truly free in Christ Jesus. And all we have to do is just simply believe. Not work for it, not be good enough for it, not do so many steps or to keep the law, but just simply believe on your son Jesus and what he's done. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go a little bit quicker tonight. Um, and uh, we began to do this last week with the overhead. We're going to begin and... On part three, on the first page there, Uh, just to kind of go over again what this section is discussing, and then I'm going to skip on to where we left off last week. Let me find the beginning page there. What we'll cover, and here we go. What we'll cover in section three is why most are not living free and joyful lives. Do they really want to get free? You know, people want to, want to they, they have to want to be free. Amen? Anything, even in our lives, if we want to be free from something, we have to desire to be free and want to be free and receive what Christ has already provided. There's three preconditions for a person, for a person to find, find freedom. Is there a price to pay for freedom? We're going to talk about that. And then this is always a question that people want to ask. When will they stop drinking, drugging, etc.? And there's usually certain people that ask that question, uh, which is usually the people uh, that are helping their addiction along. Then the power of weakness and the weakness of strength. Uh, And we got into a little bit of this last week. Um, We read the story in John chapter 5 about the man at the sheep gate uh, in the pool that was there. Uh, And we're going to Skip down. We've already read that last week. The man, look at the part there up under the scripture says the man doesn't answer Jesus' question. Jesus asked him a question. He said, do you want to be made well? You know, what what do you want? Well, it's obvious what he wanted, but he asked. He wanted him to give him the answer, but he didn't answer Jesus' question. But this is the story of most of us who are struggling with an addiction. We're looking for a quick fix. The truth is we don't really want to do what it takes to get free, but just be able to cope with our problem and continue life as usual. But here comes Jesus and upsets the apple cart of our life. Jesus didn't come to teach us to cope and to show us a way to live a better life. But he came to set the captives free. And I wrote this at the bottom of the page here. He came to give us life in the God kind of life. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal. We know that that verse thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. We talked about the Zoe kind of life. And that's the kind of life that God knows. And that's what he came to give us. Uh, not just for us to cope or to barely get by, you know, just walk through the chilly Jordan. One day we'll get to the other side, you know, to the sweet by and by, but he came to give us life, the kind of life that God knows, to enjoy life, to live life to its fullest. And I believe, uh, you know, that's what uh, Adam and Eve had before they were separated from God. And that's what Jesus came to restore so that we could experience the same kind of life. Now, uh, let's go on over to page, if you skip ahead to page five, not everyone wants to be free. It shows the man there in the jail cell. There we go. It says, not everyone wants to be free. Uh, and the guy there in jail, he said, at least I know what to expect here. He kind of, you know, he said, I've been here before and I know what to expect. Uh, not everyone wants to be free. have to let go of all anchors, our security and all visible means of support. This is the, the qualifications to get free. What we have to get rid of what we've depended on all of our lives to get by. Have to let go of life as we've known it and lived it. Not willing to do this until we're convinced that life does not work our way. Uh, in his Nobel Prize acceptance speech, Albert came and said, liberty is dangerous, hard to get along with as it is exciting. A psychologist once told Mike that he, has more, uh, that he was more comfortable with chaos than peace. We touched on this. I'm still reviewing real quickly. That, you know, a lot of people are comfortable in chaos. They don't, understand, they don't know it any other way. Uh, this has a lot to do with our family background, things that we've been through. You know, I gave an example of my life that coming up, we uh, and my sister could testify to this. Uh, you know, we came up in a lot of chaos. You know, something all, and it seemed like if there wasn't anything happening or going on that somehow one of us created it. Our, our parents got into it or whatever. Something would come along. You just knew that if things were going too smoothly, you were just kind of expecting some, somewhere along the line something was going to come up. and There's going to be some chaos. And the weird thing about it is that, you know, we were. <laughs> and I know uh, when, when Pastor uh, met Michelle, you know, that's one of the things that he kind of made a joke about is we would, uh, you know, he, 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 we'd call each other on the phones. One of the family members and say, you know, every time we hung up the phone, we'd say, love you, love you, too. Bye. Or we'd leave the house and we'd say, love you, love you, too. we we'll see you later. But then it's like the next minute we're choking each other whatever. (laughs) Not literally, but you know what I'm saying? There was something going on all the time. There's there's chaos all the time. And it's like that's just what we knew because that's the way we lived. At least that's what I experienced as a a child and growing up as a a teenager. And that's what he said here that Mike, that's kind of what he was comfortable with was chaos because he didn't know anything different. But it had a lot to do with his family background and where that he came from. But there's a better way, amen? He came to give us life and life more abundantly. And in that abundant life, there's peace and there's joy and there's happiness, there's victory and there's a better way to live. And I made that commitment when I met my wife and when I got born again, I said, there's one thing that I declare and decree now that we will not have the type of chaos that I grew up in, that this is going to be a home of peace, that mean we don't have disagreements. You're going to have disagreements, but how many of you know a disagreement can be different than a, than a fight? A disagreement can be different than total chaos and just total strife all the time. And I said, we'll not have barstools flying through the air. We'll be not, not breaking picture frames and throwing things and knocking out windows and, you know, all that kind of thing. That'll not happen because my, my home is going to be filled with the peace of God. Amen. And that's a choice and decision we make, but that's called life and life more abundant. And we can live that way if we choose so. It's been provided through Christ. Now, uh, conditions of freedom. You there? Desperation, number one, willing to give up on yourself, your resources, your strength, your wisdom and anything you can do. How about that? Desire to get right with God, not just get rid of the problem or start drinking, drugging and not uh, uh, and not engaging in addictive behavior, but make Jesus your life. I added that part. That's what he's talking about. Make Jesus everything. He is your life. He's not just, you know, something you come do on Sunday or something that that we come to when we need help, but he is our life. He is our strength. He's everything. He's that we live and move and have our being in him. He is our strength in our life. Amen. Again, you'll hear me quote that scripture, the the scripture that Paul wrote in Galatians 220 that he said, no longer do I live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And that's that identification process. Dependence on God alone, not Christ plus your program, the 12 steps, your group, your counselor, anything that you can do. These are the conditions of freedom. As long as we have some hope in what we can do, we won't give up. Now, how many, how many of you have seen that before if you've had a family member or a loved one or a friend that's been dealing with an addiction? As long as they have hope in what they can do, then they're not going to give up. They have to come completely to the end of themselves. Amen. If they, if, you know, because they're always trying to work it out. If I can do this and I can do that and, and go here and it's, it's always a scheme. It's, it's, it's always a never ending circle. that just keeps going around and around and around. And See, the devil likes that because he knows that they're not ever going to accomplish anything, they're never going to live the abundant life, they're never going to reach anyone or help anyone because they're in a constant circle. So they have to come completely to the end of themselves. Desperation is the key to revelation. Do we really want God's will for our lives or just to cope and be comfortable? What are we really dependent on uh, on to, uh, to live our lives? Do we really want to get free, stop sinning, and do right? If we depend on what we do, even spiritual disciplines... We'll never get free. Freedom comes when we believe that apart from Christ, we can do nothing and turn to Christ and trust him as our life. It's believing Galatians 2.20. And then Mike says this. He said, I've never seen anyone get free until they believed that they'd been crucified with Christ and they, longer, they no longer live, but Christ was living in them. Sending all his, his time in ministry, which is over 30 years, he's never seen anyone get free till they came to that revelation. No steps, no program, Has been able to help them do that. Now I've got a uh, scripture right here I want to read. And uh, you can turn there if you like. Or you can just listen as I read it. But it's Galatians chapter 5. I'm actually going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It's Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. This is Paul speaking. He said listen. Well actually verse 1 says. So Christ has truly set us free. How many of you know that? Through Christ what he's done on the cross. that's, That's the basis of what we're teaching. And that's the basis of what we need to tell people. Is through what Christ has done. They're already set free. I mean, you, you, all you got to do is go outside your house, walk to the store, you go to the grocery store, go to we work convenience stores. I'm telling you what we see people. I mean, it, you can just write a book about it, you know. But the thing of it is, God loves him. Christ died for every every person. Right. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. But the the, the truth of the matter is they don't really know that they're free already. And that's the key to it. They have to see and know that they're free already, that what Christ has done has already made them free. But they just have to receive it. They just have to accept it and believe it. That's all it is. And once they begin to believe it and see it, know it, then see that belief will begin to change the behavior and the things that they do and where they go and how they act and the things that they put in their bodies. But until they begin to believe that he loves them and has already made them free, then all these other things is what they're trying to fulfill their life with. And trying to cope with the problems and the situations and the uh, the anxiety and the things that they're faced with in life. They have no hope. See? So as believers, as Christians, that's the reason that we're studying this. Because we have the answer. Amen. We've got the answer. But we have to be moved with compassion like Jesus and be willing to talk. Be willing to, to love and to be willing to share. And be willing to give the answer to people that need it. Amen. Amen. Because without knowledge, they'll never be free. So Paul told him here. He said, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Verse 2, he said, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. So what that's telling us is this. If we're depending on anything that we can do, anything in in the flesh, anything in our ability, keeping the law or a ritual or doing anything or being, reading so many chapters a day or, you know, man getting your act right or cutting this out or whatever, whatever. Some of those things are good. Reading the Bible is great. But reading the Bible is not what makes us free. (laughs) I don't know how many amens I get about. But reading the Bible is not what makes us free. Praying is not what makes us free. Amen. Visiting the homeless is not what makes us free. All those are great things and good things. But Christ is the one that makes us free in our belief and receiving what he's already done. That's what makes us free. So he said, if you're depending on anything other than what Christ has already done, then you're wasting your time. In fact, you're separate. We're going to read it right here. He said you're basically separating yourself from freedom if you depend on anything that you can do to make you free. He said, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. If you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. And he said, well, I'm not keeping the law, but... So you, you may not be keeping the Mosaic law, but what he's saying there is this, is if we, if we are attempting to do anything in our ability to make ourselves right with God, then yeah. Yeah. we're under the law that's right. because it's what can we do? Mm-hmm. Anything in our flesh and our ability. And what we're doing is we're cutting ourselves off from grace. And that's what pastor has taught us and mentioned that, you know, when you, when you hear people say the phrase that I've fallen from grace. No, you, you, you don't fall from the grace of God. What you're doing is you're cutting yourself off from, from the ability of grace to help you. It did not mean that God turned his back on you. Falling from grace doesn't mean that he disowned you or doesn't love you anymore. No, that's not anything like that. Falling from grace just means that you separate yourself from the ability of God Amen. to work on your behalf. That's all that it means. It didn't change God's love one bit. And the grace of God is still the faithful. Amen? So it says, if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen from grace. Let me get my page turned here. Falling away from God's grace, but... We who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. That's what's important. It's not the things that we do. Now, let's go to the next page here. And this is where we uh, left off last week. Is can Christ really Set you free. Now think about this. Now, everybody, I believe everybody here tonight, if, we, if you were asked that question, you would say yes. But the thing of it is that many churches and naysayers and legalists say no. They say that, you know, it takes more. They'll, they'll agree with you that Christ died on the cross, but they'll say it takes more than just what Christ did. You have to do these steps or this program or whatever it is you have to add to that. Many churches, naysayers, legalists say no. He, he can, Christ really can't be the only thing that can set you free, even in the gospels when they saw him set people free, they still disagree with it. Doctors, disease proponents, psychiatrists aA many Christians, pastors, counselors say no, and they tell you to do what Tell people to go to meetings, read the big book, get a sponsor, get in group therapy, costly counseling, go to expensive treatment centers, take abuse or antidepressants. but most of us who struggle with addiction don't believe. That Christ can truly set us free. All the evidence uh, told Mike that after 18 years as a Christian, and a seminary graduate, and a former pastor, and doing all that he knew—Bible study, memor- memorization, prayer, fasting, casting out demons—he <laughs> went through a lot. Public confession, got up in front of his church, public confessed, "I'm an alcoholic. I've done all these things. I've missed it. None of that helped." Christian 12-step program, hundreds of AA meetings, five sponsors. Group therapy, Christian counselors, secular treatment centers, taking drugs and counselors, drugs to help him stop. Counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists, accountability and discipleship groups. All the evidence told Mike that Christ couldn't set him free. But against all hope, he believed. in what Christ has done against all these things that he tried to do and nothing helped. And he seemed hopeless when he very came, came to the very end of himself. That's when he finally realized that all these things don't work. And he came to the very end of himself with all of his resources, and he quit trying in his ability, and he began to believe. But Look at that there at the end of the page. But against all hope, he believed, Romans 4:18 that the truth will set you free. And after eight years of struggling, he found his freedom 29 years ago. Now, we're going to look again about the paralyzed man that didn't answer Jesus' question. The paralyzed man doesn't answer Jesus' question, but he makes excuses. And this is what a lot of people do. Depending on the wrong thing, people. What he tells Jesus? he said, I have no one to help me. He said, when the water's stirred, people get down ahead of me and I have no one to help me get into the water. He said, I have no one to help me. Most who attend programs are depending on people. They're looking for the zap, you know, some kind of fast delivery or zap to deliver them to get them free. To, to, to get into the water first, to beat somebody there to get into the water. Altars of many churches are flooded every week. But people say, I always get a bad break. How many of you heard that before? When you talk to someone, they say, well, I just get bad, I'm just always getting a bad break. I don't, I don't get the, the, you know, the doors don't open for me and I don't get the opportunities, I'm always the one that gets the bad break. Someone gets there before me. So not much help is available for people like this. You cannot help someone who still thinks they can do something to get free but who really doesn't want to change. They've got to come completely to the end of themselves and say, I can't do anything else. All I can do is allow Jesus and receive the freedom that he's already provided because they're already free. See, when we come into Christ, we're already free. That's what I have to realize. We identify with what? His death, his burial, his resurrection. And in him, we're already free. Amen. You're already free. So not saying don't do any of these things like Mike, uh, not saying don't do any of this, these things like Mike tried. But know only Christ can set you free and depend on him by faith. Not what you do. If Christ is not your focus, you'll be trying everything and anything all to no avail. So the question is asked, what should you do? Do what Jesus told Jairus, the synagogue ruler, who had just been told that his daughter was dead. Ignoring what they said, Jesus said, don't be afraid, only believe. See, fear keeps a lot of people from coming to Jesus. I believe it's in Matthew's account of uh, when Jesus fed the 5,000 Then he went up the mountain, got away from the people, you know. Then he told them to get into the boat. The disciples got into the boat. They couldn't find Jesus, didn't know where he was. They were going over to the other side. But then Jesus walked out on the water. But what in Matthew's account says they were afraid. It was Jesus, but they were afraid. And fear keeps a lot of people from coming to Jesus and allowing Jesus to be a father that he is to them. He loves them. Amen. Unconditionally, doesn't matter what they've done. See, that's the good news. Jesus or God is not mad at you. That's what people need to know they need to hear. Jesus is not mad. God's not mad at you. He wants you to come. Come to him. Come unto, unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. and I'll do what? I'll give you rest. He didn't say, come to me. And because of all the things you did, I'm going to get my stick out and you know, knock you a couple times. <laughs> or I'm going I'm to make you sit in the corner. Or I'm going to judge you. or I'm going to do whatever. He didn't say that. He said, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Amen. And we know in Hebrews it says that, that we, to, it tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace. That we might obtain mercy and help in a time of need not low crawl and beg and, you know, and, and just hope God will do something. No, he said, come boldly. Why? We can come boldly because of what Jesus has done and what he's provided and who we are in Christ. So if Christ is not your focus, you'll be trying everything and anything at no avail. So what should you do? And he said, to do what Jairus did. Don't be afraid, only believe. We must ignore the facts, the feelings, the circumstances what experts say and believe, what God says. Uh, Martin Luther said, nothing you can do or nothing you do helps you spiritually. Only faith in Christ. So who is the man who said to you, pick up your pallet and walk? This is John chapter five, verse 12. This is what they asked the man that was healed. Good questions are a good question and the right question. The answer is Jesus. The only one who can make the lame walk, heal the lepers, raise the dead and set us free. The only one who can make the blind see the truth. The only one who can cast out demons. The only one who can take away sin. The only one who can set the addicted free. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were against all hope. Abraham believed in hope. If anyone thinks he knows what to do, then go give it your best shot. <laughs> He's given the challenge. He said, Man, if you think you can do it, then go give it your best shot. Because you need to be. Uh, you need to disabuse of the lie that there's anything that you can do. You need to be separated from, from that lie that there's anything you can do. So you, you might hold it in check and cope for a while, but you'll never get free. We've all known people that way. Maybe we've dealt with things like that ourselves that we can hold it in check for a while. But then it seems like people go back or they fall back into, a, into their addiction to their habits because they're never truly free. But see, in Christ, there's true freedom. It's not coping, and that's where people have to, that's, that's the answer to it. It's not coping and just dealing with a situation, making it better, but it's freedom. You see, it's totally separate, totally separate that that old man, we've already covered that, but that old man, that old body of sin has been done away with. It was, it, it was killed. It was annihilated. We couldn't be good enough. So Jesus had, we, God had to put us in Jesus and kill the old man in Christ on the cross and make a whole new, brand new man completely free and set free. Amen. So that's what it takes, not coping, getting better for a while, but seeing yourself totally free. And it does take a miracle. But the good news is the miracle has already taken place. Amen. The miracle is that you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. For we know that the old self was crucified with him, that the body of sin should be done away with. And anyone who has died, hallelujah, anyone, listen to that, anyone who has died has been freed from sin. We've been freed from sin. Sin has no power over us. Glory to God. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Glory to God. He who the son has set free is free indeed. Amen. That's good news. The sad thing about it is it's already been provided. All we have to do is receive it. And so many people don't know that. But we can tell them. We can share it. We can share the good news of God's grace and mercy. So there is a price to pay for freedom. Freedom. He who has found his life will lose it. And who, he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. The price is your life. The self-life or your flesh. Ways that you meet basic needs. See, we've had to be, we have had to be careful about anything that we, any, any need that we uh, meet outside of Christ. Anything in our life, happiness or joy, any, anything that fulfills us, any, any type of... Uh, If it comes from a person or substance or anything, we have to be careful about that. Nothing can fulfill us or meet a basic need in life other than Christ. Any way that we deal with pressure, stress, or relate to people. Any way that we find success or avoid failure. Or any way that we depend on our own resources. Only way of life that most people know and live. That's the only way they depend on their own resources. And see, that's bred into us, especially as Americans. I believe we're going to touch on that. I've already mentioned in the past that we're bred... As an American man, let's just go get it, you know. Let's just get the, get the job done. We can do it. We can handle it. And that's, you know, that's the reason, that, and Pastor, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you know, I'll I just say it about me. i just use myself as an example that way nobody could get offended or whatever. I use myself as an example. When we first started learning about grace and, and, uh, and Pastor was teaching us about grace, and a lot of you, you may not want to admit it, but I had some problems with some things. And even to this day, there's times I hear certain things and i might, I, I mean, I have to kind of, have a V8, you know, moment. And it's like, dude, I don't know how, you know, I. but that's up here in the mind, see. You said, I just don't know about that. But I had some problems with some things, and the reason is, is because we're so used to, to doing something. We're so used to doing some type of step that we've been taught. You know, if you do these four steps, four steps of faith and the four steps of this and the 10 steps to healing and, and all these things, we've, we've been taught and it's been inbred into us that it's kind of like, if you come to the place where what do you do? You just simply believe and receive. It's like you, you 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 have a problem with it. And that's the reason a lot of people don't receive the grace message. If you want to call it a message, it's not a message, it's a person. His name is Jesus. is because they have a problem with the fact that we're telling them they don't have to do anything because they want to do something. All they have to do is what? Believe. <laughs> Amen. So... So many people live the life that way. That's the only way they know to live and to do is how, what they can do. So it's all the carefully uh, conceived and persistently practiced ways that we deal with life. Like a woman who needs her hair done. We've mentioned this before. She just wants the problem fixed. She goes into the beauty shop. Hair's all whatever needs to be fixed. She doesn't want to change the person. She just wants the problem fixed. Comes out, got a new hairdo, man, she's ready to go. The problem is that God doesn't work that way. He wants you to know the truth, that you're a new creation, and that you're one with Christ. He wants you to give up on your life and exchange it for Christ's life and live free. See, there again, it's not coping with it. He wants you to be made completely free. Amen? So when you know and believe that Christ is your life, Colossians 3, 4, and you're one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, you will live free. Now, what's the key to it? You know and believe that Christ is your life Number two, that you're one spirit with him says you will live free. When you believe that you're dead to sin and freed from it, then you are free. Amen. So questions must be answered before a person can get help. Question number one, do I want advice or an answer? You know, a lot of people are just looking for advice. If you ever counsel with anyone or if someone comes to you and says, man, I'm dealing with a situation. Don't know what I'm going to do, and my wife's done this, and my husband's done that, or I've got this problem, whatever it may be. I'm going through a financial situation, whatever it may be. Do they really want the answer, or they just want advice? Or they just want you to, you know, it's okay. You know, I'm not saying we're not to be just totally, uh, you know, rude and ugly and nasty with people and just say, oh, this is, you know, Jesus' answer. He set you free. Just grow up. No, we're not saying be that way. We can love people, love people like Christ, but the answer still comes back to the fact that Christ has made us free. He is the answer. He's already provided everything. We're complete in him. And what more do we need? If you're complete, what more is there to add? Nothing. We're complete in him. So do they really want, uh, do they want advice or an answer? Do I want to cope or do I want to change? Do I want to rehash the problem or do I want a resolution? Uh, If you're making notes, jot this down for the sake of time. We're not going to read it, but... uh, page 41 in your book there you can jot it down read it later I hope I encourage you to go back and read because we're not reading a lot of the book but uh, page 41 there's a section that says do I want to cope or do I want to change and he gives a a illustration there and then down at the bottom of the page it says the end of the road and the beginning the end of the road and the beginning that's a good section to read and it relates to what we're talking about here So we're going to go on here with our overhead. It says, God has an answer, but we must give up on our plans and programs to receive his answer. If you just want to deal with a problem and not change, it's easy to show up for meetings and et cetera, to work the steps. But if you're willing to give up on your life so you can be conformed to the life of Christ, why is it that most of us are repelled by grace, or at least at first? That's what I was just talking about a moment ago. Why is it that most people are repelled by grace? Because we don't want to hear that we can't do it. We don't want to hear that. You don't want anybody, you, you like somebody to tell you you can't do it? I don't. Somebody tell me, well, you can't do it. You might as well give up. You can't do it. I don't, I don't like to hear that. Do you? Why? Because it's just part of our nature that we, you know, and even the fact that we can do all things through Christ. But the, the, the key to that is it's through Christ. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Not that we can do all things. People want to quote that, man, I can do all things. Yeah, you can, but it's through Christ. In your ability, you can't do anything. But through Christ, we can do all things. Amen? So a lot of people have problems with it because you tell them, no, you can't. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. According to John fifteen five. So that is not good news to most of us who think we can figure it out and to do it ourselves to make it work. And the the question that we've talked about says, when will they ever stop? And his answer to it is this, when they come to the end of themselves and when they come to the end of their resources. The person who asks that question is usually the biggest resource. What he's saying is this, the person that usually asks this question, when will they ever stop? It's usually the one that's their their biggest resource, the one that's giving them, helping them, bailing them out, giving them money, whatever it is that they need. They're helping them along. And all they're doing is, is they're giving them more time and and making it worse and even getting in the way of what God's trying to do. The one enabling them is their addictive or enabling them in their addictive behavior. Many parents, spouses and loved ones ask me this question. Perhaps my answer should be maybe they will quit when you stop enabling them and being their biggest resource. But people don't want to hear that. I hadn't wanted to hear that in the past of people that uh, of my loved ones and people that I care for that I've been an enabler to. I didn't want to hear that. And on the flesh, it can be difficult. It can be tough on the flesh. But do you really want to see them free? Amen? Amen. And he said, perhaps that's what I should say. Maybe when you quit enabling them and being their biggest resource, I see the enabler as standing between the addicted one and God and God can't get a clear shot at him to bring him to the end of himself and his resources. I've never seen anyone get free until they came to the end of their strength, wisdom, and resources. Because you can't trust Christ as your life until you give up on your life. <laughs> See, this can help all of us. It doesn't mean that you're dealing with an addiction to alcohol or drugs or a substance, but are we really trusting Christ as our life in every area? To to walk in true freedom that he's provided. Amen. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. To be free from attitudes, from depression, from whatever it is. He came to give us life. And in his ability, doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter how long you've been dealing with it, in Christ you've already been made free. But do we see ourselves in him? And do we give up on anything that we can do in our strength and totally allow, allow it to be his? So what's going on in my life? His voice shook the earth. This is Hebrews 12. 26 and 27, his voice shook the earth, but now he was promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken that is, created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. God is shaking the things in our life that can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken will remain. Where are you trying to find life? Where do you find acceptance and worth? Where do you find self-esteem? If you're looking anywhere other than Christ, then Satan will use those things to jerk you around. (laughs) It may be good things, such as your spouse, your children, your career, or ministry, but you'll be unable to find true love and acceptance and lasting worth and value anywhere but in your relationship with God. It is not found anywhere else. God is love, 1 John 4, 16. So what in your life can be shaken? Now, I want to preface it with this. We're not talking about, you know, and you've been taught God doesn't put sickness and disease on you. Amen. It'd be, it'd be a schizophrenic God to lay the stripes upon Jesus and put the curse of, sin, uh, curse of the law on Jesus, which includes sickness, and then come back and put sickness on somebody. That's not what we're talking about. He doesn't teach you things through sickness. The Holy Spirit's your teacher. But what he's talking about here is things that we depend on, our resources, our ability, what we can do. Well, we've always dealt with problems and situations and, 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 and learned behavior other than depending on, upon him. So what in your life can be shaken? Everything but who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ. Sanctification entails getting rid of a lot of baggage. And it seems like God's working in us and on us to bring this about. But it's only to get us to give up on ourselves and to trust Christ as our life. And to realize he is our wisdom, he is our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. It is to believe that I've been put to death on the cross with Christ. Still I am living, but it's no longer I. But Christ is living in me. And the life which I am now living in the flesh, I live by the faith, the faith of the Son of God, who, who, is in, love, or who in love for me gave himself up for me. Amen. So the price of freedom is brokenness. If anyone, is, you know, ask you, "What is the what is the price?", it's brokenness. <laughs> Good word of faith people, they don't like to hear that. Brokenness sounds like a negative <laughs> to the flesh, to the mind. But it's not a negative; it's a positive. So we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even our life. Indeed, our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. There's no freedom until we've given up on ourselves and come to the end of ourselves. The prerequisite for freedom and experiencing the power that, Christ, that raised Christ from the dead is giving up on relying on yourself and relying on God who raises the dead. Amen. <laughs> what better, think about it just a moment our savior our father god has the ability to raise the dead he raised christ from the dead and the same power that raised christ from the dead dwells in us and it quickens this mortal body it gives us strength amen glory to god and he lives on the inside of us it is brokenness philippians 3:10 brokenness is coming to the end of self and our resources Neil Anderson says it was the best day of his life, and Mike says that it was also the best day of his life as it was when he experienced freedom in Christ and was free from his addiction. Paul despaired of life and had the sentence of death in his heart. Why? So he would not rely on himself, but on God who raises the dead. And also, if you're making notes there on page 42 in your book, there's a good uh, passage there you could read that would relate to that. So what's the problem? Now my illustration here is messed up on that so I'm gonna have to read it off of the board up here. What's the problem, too weak? He's asking the question, is it because we're too weak? Lack of commitment, a character flaw? And these are things that people deal with. They look at themselves. See, there again, they're, they're, their focus is wrong. They're looking, who, at, at them. And they wanna fix something. And this is what the world teaches. This is what we've known and been taught. You know, fix it, do something. What can you do? Am I too weak? Do I have a lack of commitment? I just need to buckle down and commit and you know, get tighter on my commitment. Is there a character flaw? There must be something wrong with me. Do I have an evil sin nature? Or do I just have low morals? Am I no good, dirty rascal, you know, that they've been told that they are? And then he dropped it down and said, not, it's not any of those things. Amen? The good news is, is it takes the pressure off of us when we can forget trying to work it out. See, it takes the pressure off of us. It takes the person the pressure off the person that's been dealing with an addiction. It takes the pressure off of them trying to work it out. It makes or to make it happen or to get free or to do right or to avoid sin and live the Christian life. See, we can't live the Christian life in our ability and our strength. <laughs> we always get a lot of amens when you say that but we can look to Jesus who is in us. He is our life. He raises the dead and who raised us up from the dead and stop striving and stop struggling. Don't be afraid, but only believe we are new creations who are dead to sin and free from it. The only thing that can keep a Christian in bondage is deception. When they learn and believe the truth that they are free, they will experience that freedom. So what's the problem? The fellow here, he's got his, you know, barbell there and he's, he's working out he said I can do it I can get it done <laughs> so what's the problem we're too strong to give up on ourselves and to trust Christ to be our life and if you've ever dealt with anyone like I said that's been struggling and this is, this is one of the biggest excuses that they'll make is that I, I know what to do and that's what they'll tell you they know what to do and they know how to do it but they don't get free because it's still them trying to do it so what's the problem? We're too strong to give up on ourselves and to trust Christ to be our life. We believe we can do what we need to do if we can find the right program, or et cetera. If we can just, you know, if they, they say if I can just get to the right place, get in the right program or do the right steps and things and we know that we can do it because we, 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 we can buckle down and get it done. But this is always the problem. This is the issue. You don't need a psychiatrist or a gifted counselor to understand this and you'll never be able to access the power and deliverance of Christ as your life until you realize this. This is why most Christian recovery programs, regardless of their sincere efforts and good intentions, are not seeing many people experience their freedom in Christ. The things they tell you to do are primarily good things to do. But apart from Christ, you can do nothing. When you learn that, then you're able to believe you're dead to sin and freed from it. But until then, or but not until then, you have to give up. (laughs) Glory to God. We have to give up. And that's a good thing. <laughs> and that's totally against human nature to give up. But, but in Christ, we give up, give up himself and, and accept what he's done. Amen. The secret of deliverance from sin. We got just a few more uh, minutes here and we'll be through for tonight. The secret of deliverance from sin. is not to do something, but to rest on what Christ has done. Watchman Nee was a... Uh, a Chinese uh, believer back in the 19, he was born at the turn of the century, 1902, somewhere in there. But in the 20s, he, he started multiple churches in China, uh, risked his life even doing that, uh, especially way back then. But he said, it's not to do something but to rest on what Christ has done. It seems to be a secret, as so few seem to be finding freedom from addiction. Watchman Nee also said the sin is always to do something. If you're trying to do anything to get free, to live free, to do right, and to stop sinning, you're not trusting God. If you're a new creation, dead to sin, freed from it, and alive to God, what should you do? You know, people want to know, what am I supposed to do? What can I do? Don't be afraid. Only believe. That's what we do. We just believe. Don't be afraid. Come to Jesus and believe and receive and accept what he's done. Yes, there is no doubt that your emotions, your circumstances, and even what your friends, your trusted pastors and counselors will tell you. Not our pastor trusted pastors and counselors will tell you is the opposite, but who, you are, going, who are you going to believe? Are we Are going to believe God or are we going to believe what man says or what our body says or our thoughts or our feelings? We thank God because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. See, the word of God goes to work when we believe. Amen. We'll finish up right here tonight. Uh, Most counselors preaching in recovery ministries tell people what to do. It's why they find, uh, few find their freedom in Christ. And you got the man there at the pulpit. He says, pray fast, read the Bible, go to meetings, get a sponsor, read the big book, just do it. The law says do this and never is it done. Grace says believe this one and it's already done. Martin Luther. For sin shall not be your master, for you're not under the law, but under grace. Sinful passions are aroused by the law, but you have died to the law. Now think about that just a minute. Sinful passions are aroused by the law. So when people try to keep the steps and, and don't do this and don't. You know, don't drink, don't do this, don't use, don't drug there's all these steps that they're trying to do in their ability all that does is keep it stirred up it keeps it it aroused on inside inside keeps it in their thinking and in their mind and it's always in front of them don't don't drink that, don't use that, don't shoot up don't smoke that, don't do these things, it's always right in front of them, but that's not the answer the answer is I'm free in Christ he's already set set me free I'm dead to sin, I'm a new man in Christ amen, and if they keep that in front of them what happens, they believe that they begin to believe that and if we believe that that we've already been made free that we're a brand new creation in Christ we won't want to use and drink and, and sin and do the other things. Why? Because we believe something. On the inside of us we've received something that Christ has already done. Amen. So, so see they've got some of these things out of order and that's the reason so many people uh, fail to find their freedom. So Martin Luther, Martin Luther says the law is a mirror and a rock. It's both. It's a mirror and it's a rock. It's a mirror to show who we are apart from Christ, and it's a rock to break you. The purpose of the law is to show you that you can't do right, and it's to drive you to Christ. The law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. All of our trying to do right, not to sin and to abstain from wrong, stirs up sinful passions. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. The law is a ministry of death. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, if the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God that we're no longer under the law. Hallelujah. We'll pick up here uh, in several weeks. (laughs) But I encourage you to go back, uh, read your book. Review, uh, get this on the inside of you, and then talk to people, amen? Share the goodness of Christ. Tell them that God's not mad at them, amen? Tell them that they've already been made free. You know, people, that, that, that's a foreign subject to so many people. You tell, some, you tell somebody that you know is struggling with alcohol or drugs, that they've already been made free, they look at you like, what, what do you mean? You don't understand what I've been dealing with? You don't understand what I've just done? When you tell them, well, you've already been made free. But They don't understand that, but you can, you can be the one to tell them. Amen. You can be the one to share that freedom with them. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to, to share with you. I'll tell you what I'm excited about, what God's doing, and uh, who we're going to be able to help. And like I said, I'll be back. It'll be several weeks, but uh, we'll get back in and have a few more uh, lessons. And then uh, I believe at the, closer to the end, we'll have a time of question and answer. Some of you may have some questions about it or discussion, and we'll do that as well. Amen.